Timothy chapter 2. I want to read from verse 1 to 4. Thou therefore my son. Can I see anyone who is the son of God? Let me see your hand. Alright. He said be strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the thing which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men. Who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself. With the affairs of this life. That he may please him who has chosen him. To be a soldier. By the grace of God. I will be speaking on the subject. Be this. In order to prevail. Be this so that you can prevail. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity we have tonight to mingle our voices and praise and prayer and worship and in adoration to your name. Our prayer tonight is that your word and your spirit will have a free course among us. Anoint me to speak as an oracle, not an orator. Anoint me to declare the mysteries of the kingdom the way you have revealed it to me and help me to come get it to your people in a way that will bless them. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of being part of Narcos 2023. And thank you for the indelible mark it's going to have on us, on our families, on our way of doing things, on our finances, on our calling, and every and all things that pertain to us on every side. Take the glory, Father. Take the praise. Take the worship. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the most outstanding things about God is that He wants to always communicate with us. He's our Father, and fathers love to talk to their children. Whether you want to talk to Him or not, He has a disposition. In the Old Testament alone, Thus said the Lord appear 2,700 times. Psalm 19 verse 2 says, Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. God is always speaking. For as long as you keep your Bible open, you keep hearing God's voice. There are four things God wants you to know. Number one, he wants to communicate to you the truth. He wants to communicate to you the truth. Number two, he wants you to know the truth. He doesn't just want to communicate it to you, but he wants you to know it. The Bible says in John chapter 8 verse 31, Jesus said unto those Jews that believed in him, If you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. He wants you to know the truth. Job chapter 5 verse 27 says, Lo, this thing we have searched it, so it is, hear it and know it for your good. Hosea 6.3 says, Then shall we know if we follow to know the Lord. So he wants to share with you so that you may know the truth. Number three, he also wants to speak to you so that you may do it. The Bible said in Psalm 19 verse 11 
It says through God's commandment, his servants are warned. And in the doing of it, there is a great reward. He is not chit-chatting. He is not talking to you for play sake. He is not playing when he talks. When he gave you a Bible of 66 books, he is serious about it. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. He wants you to do it. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Put away all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The word is able to save your soul, but how does it do it? Verse 22. But be you doers of the word and not hearers only. Cheating your own selves. Until you do what God's word says, you have cheated yourself out of the benefit of what doing the word of God has to offer you. So he wants to communicate to you to know the truth. He wants to communicate with you so that you can uh, to, to know. He wants to communicate with you so that you can communicate the truth to you, that so that you may know it, and then so that you may do it. And then number four, he wants to communicate his word to you, speak to you, so that you can share it. Proverbs twenty one twenty eight says, "He that heareth speaketh continually." When you hear something, you have a responsibility. It's a privilege to hear something. And that is, you need to communicate it. So he wants to speak to you so that you can share of the things he says to you. He wants you to share it. Share it. Not just unto you it is given to know the mysteries, but unto you it is a treasure committed that you should share it. He doesn't want you to be the only one knowing it. He wants others to hear about it. So, one way in which he does that in an attempt to make these four things happen is by using a particular principle known as the symbolic principle. It's a principle you see in the Bible. It's called the symbolic principle. It is a principle of scriptural communication. And what does it mean? It means he's known to use metaphor. Metaphor is known to use something that you and I are familiar with in the natural and compare it or set it by side by side with something in the spiritual world concerning which he wants to give you an insight. God wants you to give an insight into your life, how you should live. And so he takes something that you are familiar with as to how it lives because you are a human being and then put it side by side with something that is spiritual and abstract so that you can go from what you know to comprehend what you don't know ordinarily. And that's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 verse 1 and Romans 1 20, 20 you are inexcusable. God will always make it very easy for you to understand, to comprehend so that you and I can do them. So, many times in the Bible you find God comparing us as Christians to so many things. He compares us to sheep. He uses the metaphor of a sheep to describe and define who a believer is supposed to be. 
Psalm 74 verse 1. He said we are the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 79 verse 13. He calls us the sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. And so many other places. If you read John 10. It's about the shepherd and the sheep. Psalm 23 is about shepherd and the sheep. He compares us also to trees. He has done that several times in the Bible. In Psalm 104 verse 16. He says the tree of the Lord. Talking about you and I. Are full of sap. In Isaiah 61 verse 3, he said to appoint unto them my money Zion, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for money, the garment of praise for the spirit of happiness, that we may be called trees of righteousness, trees of righteousness, the planting of the Father. Psalm 92 verse 12 compares us to palm tree and cedar. You and I in Psalm 52 verse 8, we are compared to olive trees. So what is he trying to do? He's trying to make us know the truth. He's trying to make us know what we need to know. He's also trying to help us as to what we should do. He's also trying to help us know what we should share. So he does that again and again. Tonight we want to look at something that God compares us to. Now, whenever God compares us to something like that, to trees, for example, he compares us to ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 He said, now we are ambassadors. Look at your friend. I said, you are looking at ambassador E. Uh-huh. You know? I remember some years ago, they were, there was a flight that was booked in Nigeria. I was just a young minister then. and They said, well, this flight is overbooked, but please, if you are a VIP, please board first. Of course. Look at your neighbor and say, are you not a VIP? Ah, I just moved forward. As I was going, one man said, I said, what's wrong with you? He said, okay, man. you can buy. We, I was studying with some other ministers. They didn't go. They said, what did you do? I said, well, I'm a VIP. Are you not? You can ne- Nobody can ever extreme you higher than you extreme yourself. When you put yourself down, you can't expect somebody to raise you up. <laughs> uh, so I went forward. So because I'm a VIP. So he compares us to ambassadors. In fact, he called himself, Paul called himself an ambassador in bonds. You remember you and I are in this world, but we are not of this world. So if we are in this world, we are not of this world. That is what an ambassador is. He is in a nation, but he does not belong to the nation. And so he's serving there as an ambassador. So you and I are ambassadors. So God has been known to do that. Now, whenever God used the symbolic principle, let me tell you about six or seven things that God is, wants to do when he does that. Number one, I think I've shared that before in this church, but let me just, for those of us who probably were not here that day. Whenever God compares us to something, the first thing, the reason why he does that is but he wants us to know that's the way he sees us. The way God sees you is very important. First, first Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord does not see the way man sees it. Man is looking at the outward. God is looking at the inward. So God says, look, this is where I see you. I see you as an ambassador. I see you as a sheep. I see you, like we are going to be considering today, I see you as a soldier. I see you, that's where I see you. I see you as a soldier. I see you as a tree of righteousness. I see you as flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. I see you as the apple of my eyes. 
That's the way I see you. Number two reason why God compares us to things is that this is the way he wants you to see yourself and to see others. So God wants you to see yourself as an ambassador and see others as ambassadors as well. So no Christian is inferior in the kingdom of God. And God is no respecter of persons. Romans 10, 12 For there is no difference between the Jews and the Greeks for the same Lord is only rich unto all that call upon his name. So God said that's the way I see you. But more than that, this is the way I want you to see yourself and the way I want you to see others. In the church of God, nobody is inferior. In the body of Christ, there is no part that is inferior to the other part. The eyes have its purpose. The nails have their purpose. The hair serve their purpose. We know the hair serve their purpose because for those of us who grow, black, who grow bald, there are certain conditions you are going to have to wear a cap, like Toyosi. If the cap, if the hair were there, you don't need to wear a cap. But when the sun becomes hot, <laughs> I never used to love wearing cap. But there are some sons in sub-Saharan Africa. When I went to Benghazi, Libya, so many years ago, temperature was 45 degrees. Heat. I had to wear a cap. Not only wear a cap, but wet it before putting it on my head. Because the heat penetrated through. In Lagos it was 36 and in Lawrence it was 33, but in Benghazi, 45. That's the hottest place. I don't know how hell will be hot, but I don't intend to find out. Ask your neighbor, do you intend to find out? I don't intend to find out. <laughs> I don't intend to. So, he wants us to see ourselves that way and see others. Whatever way you see yourself is the way you should see others. Because we are members of the same family. We are members of the same flesh of his bone and we are together. We belong to one family. Number three, whenever God compares us to something... You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to know the difference between you and other creatures. In as much as we are one, in the final analysis, when God compared you to sheep, he wanted to know you are different from the goat. So friendship with the goat is not a necessity. I'm not supposed to look down on people who are not Christians, but I'm not supposed to have fellowship with the unfortunate work of darkness. But rather reprove it. When God compares us to trees, He's not saying I want you to compare to grasses. Trees don't get replanted, replanted, replanted. When people go from church to church, they are shrubs, they are grasses, they are not trees. Church hoppers are not reliable. You can replant grasses anytime. But when a tree is finally taking the root downward, you don't replant it. And we're supposed to be trees. Isaiah 37, 31, the remnant of Judah shall yet take root, how? Downward and bear fruit. Grasses don't bear fruit. You can replant them. You can pull them out and pull them somewhere. You can do whatever you need to do with grasses. Because they don't have roots. They don't bear fruit. But if you are going to be a fruitful Christian, Jesus said it in John 15, 16. He said, you have not chosen, but I have chosen you and have done that you go forth and bring forth fruit. Because we are trees, we are not grasses. So when God compares us to something, he's trying to let us know. For example, you are an ambassador. You are not a citizen of the country. That's the difference between an ambassador and a citizen. 
A seat of the country belongs to the country. An ambassador is someone who is from another country, but who is having to sojourn in the same country where the citizen is. So when God compares to something, he wants you to see there's a difference. Jesus said in John 17, 14, John 17, 16, he said, you are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. That's why the way they dress should not be the way you dress. That's why you should not be dancing to some of their music. Because some of those music are just chants. Incantations that have been codified in musical form. And so when you are dancing like this, the demons will be standing on your head. And, and you go through that motion all the day. And then you say you have body pain. Why will you not, when you dance to devil music, why will you have body pain? Number four, whenever God compares us to something, why does he do that? He compares us to those things for, one, for the first reason so that he may let us know what he expects from us. God has expectation. When you have a tree, you have expectation. When you have an ambassador, you have expectation. When you have a soldier, you have expectation. When you have a sheep, you have expectation. Sheep are not killed usually for their meat. Sheep are reared for their cotton, their milk, and their cheese. In Israel, that is the major contribution of sheep. So we are not asking you to die for Christ. Because the meat of sheep is not as good as the meat of goat. Or the meat of cow. How many of you have eaten sheep meat before? Buta, buta, buta. Martin or whatever they call it. It's not like a goofy. <laughs> or cow meat. It's not, it's not as good as. So sheep are not supposed to die. Sheep are supposed to live. Because it's the living of the sheep that the matter, it enriches the farmer. The death of a sheep does not enrich the farmer. I shall not die, but live. So it's important for you to realize that. God says, I'm going to be expecting some things from you. You see, many, many times you have the expectation from God. But you know why they don't come to pass? Because you are not meeting God's expectation. If you are not meeting God's expectation and you say, my expectations shall not be cut off, it will only be cut off, it will die. So, make meeting God's expectation high priority. Be this in order to prevail. Everybody wants to prevail. But to prevail, there is a kind of person you ought to be. And that's what I'm emphasizing. I will try and do that as quickly as I can. Number four reason. Is number four now number five? Number five. The fifth reason why God does that kind of symbolic thing comparing you with something else or some creature that he has made in the animal kingdom in the vegetarian or the vegetable kingdom is that he does that to let you know how he's going to be relating to you. How he's going to be relating to you. If you are a sheep, he's going to relate to you as a shepherd. If you are a tree, it's going to relate to you as the vine dresser. If you are, if you are a soldier, he relate to you as a commander-in-chief. Commander-in-chief. And you know how commander-in-chief relates to the officers? That is very important. If you are an ambassador, 
is telling you this is how your home government will be relating to you. There is a way in which home government relates to ambassadors. I've been to several embassies in the world of various countries. One thing about every embassy is that the moment you step into the embassy, it is assumed that you are no longer in the country where that embassy is. You are now in the country that the embassy belongs to. And anybody who goes there and attacks you in that embassy is treated as someone who is attacking the country that has the embassy. So God says, I'm going to relate to you as the home government. You need to clear from me before you do anything or go anywhere. And everything they do in that embassy, the food they eat is from the home country. The clothes they wear is from the home country. The music they listen to is from the home country. Many of us are in, the, in this world and instead of listening to gospel music, you listen to rap. And they rap your brain. Someone who is on drugs is speaking and you are nodding to it. It's not the only one who is under the spell. You are also under the spell. So it's important for us. God said this, I'm going to be relating to you. This is the way I'm going to be relating to you. So when God relates to you as a shepherd, when he uses his rod to cane you and use his staff to lead you, he's treating you as a sheep because he's a shepherd. Church members need to know that when the pastor is talking to you as Pastor E, it's different from when Emmanuel is talking to you. I was with a couple. The, pa- the pastor of the church was the woman. The man was the deacon. In the church, even the man who was the deacon said, excuse me, man, what, what do we do next? This is the husband. But when they come home, the man assumes his own post. Say, hey, girl, when is my food going to be ready? Switch of rules. But some women pastors will take it home. You cannot sleep there. You cannot watch that television. Your authority stops in the church. We need to learn how to change rules and operate very smoothly. It's important. You see, these things are very important. So when God compares us something, he's telling us, this is the way I will be relating to you. And it's wonderful when God relates to you as the commander-in-chief. Number six, when God compares us to something, what again is he saying? He's also saying, these are the characteristics I want you to develop so you can begin to adjust your life. I'm going to share with you the characteristics of the kind of person you should be if you're going to prevail. Ability to prevail will be dependent on your possession of these characteristics. I was telling some people recently, I said, Jesus said, the work that I do, shall you do also. People focus on the work and not the I. He said, the work I do. So if you don't look like I, you can't do the work that I do. But we focus on the work. And so we are trying to do the work that he did, but we are not like him. And that's why the work does not get done. I can try to sing the song my brother here sings. But I'm not him. So if I sing on K, 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 and join it to KJ, that's the problem. 
He can say this. Daddy, you can sing the song I sing to. No, I cannot. Men, some women say, I can do what men do. You cannot. You are not meant to do what men do. You are meant to do what men don't do. Should be two. In fact, some one plus one is half. By the time you marry now, you know that you have shortcut yourself. <laughs> to reduce you, to reduce the other person, and both of you will now be half put together. <laughs> oh dear. I've been in this prison for 40 years. Life sentence is 25 years. But I've been here. I told my wife years ago, we are here now. <laughs> we aren't going nowhere. <laughs> now let me go. <laughs> now, when he compares you to things, he's saying to you, these are the characters. So when you know the characteristics of a tree, you know the characteristics you need to develop. When you know the characteristics of a ship, you know the characteristics you need to develop. When you know the characteristics of an ambassador, you know the characteristics you need to develop. An ambassador is a respectful, dutiful, and someone who operates in time. You don't, ambassadors don't get late to programs. Ambassadors don't have mistake for their duties. They do what they got to do. Any husband got to do what he got to do. Stop giving excuses. I had to be setting a quarrel a few days ago. A wife came over, came over from administration and the husband said, can I have a share of the game? And the man said, I'm tired. He said, you should have known that when God called you. So you better tell him to give you energy because me, I go do. So she called me and said, look at what my husband said. I said, since you decided to be a wife, you say you do. You are going to have to do and not done. You will do and did and keep doing. So go inside. I got two hours I called. Have you done? He said, yes, I've done. I said, huh? He said, I just felt a surge of strength. I said, hey. Look at the other one. said, there is grace for everything. You need to adjust. If you know you are a member of a church and you are not a sheep, adjust. You know you are not operating as an ambassador, adjust. Psalm 19 verse 59 said, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet. Adjustments. I compared myself to what a sheep is and I looked at myself and said, look, I'm not a sheep. So I made adjustments. Number eight, is it number eight? Number seven, Okay. Another thing, when God compares us to things like that, the seventh reason why he does that is so that he wants us to know how to function. Function. And why we need to do what we need to do. He wants us to know how to function. How does a tree function? It produces fruit, not leaves. How does a sheep function? A sheep grows wool. How does, how does a soldier function? We're going to look at it in the next few minutes. So, in the word of God, God compares us to soldiers. Soldiers. And that is the scripture that we just read. Who is a soldier? I want to define a soldier. A soldier is someone who is part of an army. And um, what is the duty and responsibility of the army? 
they fight. They fight with the purpose of overcoming, defeating, bringing to submission every contrary force, situation, or circumstance that may be arrayed against the interest of the army they represent. I haven't had that at the back of your mind. What does the word prevail mean? Prevail can be described as to be more powerful than opposing forces. That's what it means to prevail. I know Pastor Emmanuel gave you definitions and many people mentioned things yesterday, but me, I'm a scholar. So I will get you to the root of it. To prevail means to become stronger than opposition and to to overcome them. The Bible says it like this, and I like it in Psalm 105 verse 24. He said, he increases people more and more until they became stronger than their enemies. So you and I, to prevail means to be more powerful than opposing forces. It also means to be victorious. There were two statements you find in the book of Revelation. Two statements. One of it you find in Revelation 2, 7, 11, 17, so on and so forth to all the churches. One statement was, either have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And the second statement is, to him that overcometh will I grant to inherit something. So not only should you have ears, but also he said it to the army, to you that overcometh. So life is about overcoming. Because the devil is the God of this world. And if you are going to prevail in this world, you are going to overcome. That's why he said, in John 16, 33, that I quoted at the beginning of the service, he said unto them, be of good cheer, I have overcome, I have prevailed. If I did, listen to this, I did it on your behalf. And so you are more than conquerors. What you are supposed to do is to take what I do, did, and enforce it. You are an enforcer. That is why you need to overcome. Our people in our church know this. When I send you somewhere, don't come back and tell me how you cannot do it. I say, go there. If it is not doable, it is not imaginable. God is able to do. Exceeding abundantly above. And God is, if God is at work in you, but to will and do, then you are more than, actually the word prevail in some old lexicon is translated more than conquerors. You don't just conquer, you play with them after you conquer. Have you ever seen wrestler? After they beat one wrestler, then they put their leg and flex their muscle. That is someone who has prevailed. That's the definition of prevailing. You don't just subdue. You don't just subject them, but you also make a drama of it. How once Paul, principalities and powers, he made a show of them. Openly. That is prevail. That's what it means. What does prevail mean? It means to gain ascendancy through strength or superiority. To gain ascendancy. To have an upper hand. That's what it means to prevail. To gain ascendancy. You see, when EU of unrest 
is not serious, they send police. When it becomes serious, who do they send? Army. Armies are the last line of enforcement in order to triumph. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. It says, thanks be unto God that causes us to triumph, to prevail. The word prevail in Latin is the word prayer valere. Let me spell it. P-R-A-E valere V-A-L-E-R-E which means to have greater power. So when you prevail, it means you have greater power. So they submit themselves to you. When you have greater power, the opposition or the terrorists will come and submit and raise your hand like this and be coming out and submitting. That is what it means to prevail. Until you get to that point, victory is not clear. There's still an argument. But when the enemy say, I surrender, then you have prevailed. You will prevail in every area in Jesus' name. But that is who you are. Now, the word prevail in Hebrew is the word yakol. Y-A-K-O-L. And what it means is to overcome and to have power over. Not only do you overcome them, but you don't have power over them. Yakol. Y-A-K-O-L. And the word prevail in Greek, I like this. It is the word epikrato. E-P-I-K-R-A-T-O. You see, there are seven different words. I've never taught that here before. That is used to describe power. One of them is kratos. Kratos power. So epikratos, which is used here, it means to be superior in strength, in dominance, in influence. To have and gain advantage over other forces. That is what it means to prevail. And so, God looked at us and said, you are soldiers. He compares us to soldiers. Now, let me say this to you. You must be a soldier to prevail. You must have the spirit of a soldier to prevail. Policemen are not regarded as those who prevail. They could handle little basic oppositions or unrest. But when the gets going, they bring out the big boys. And that is when the army comes. That's when the soldier comes. And then he says, he looks at you and said, you are a soldier. Why? You are on enemy's territory. Though we are in this world, we are not of this world. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. It says, for, it, says, it, says, it, says, it says the gospel is hidden to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, shall shine upon them. As we are here, notice, the devil is the God of this world. Now, how did that come by? God made man and put man over the world. Say, go, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue, and have dominion. He gave the dominion to man. But when man submitted himself to the devil and did what the devil did, man submitted that dominion to Satan. And Satan became the God of this world. But you are now on enemy territory as soldiers. But you can enforce the dominion of heaven. 
And that is why, even in this world, you can triumph. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, doing what? Triumphing over them. Triumph. Not only did he overcome them, he now triumphed. He, he showed how strong he was. That is what it means. You are supposed to be a soldier. Soldiers prevail. They overcome. They subdue. I've given you authority, he said, to tread upon serpents and scorpions. And all the powers of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. But the question is this, are you a soldier? Or a policeman? Or a traffic warden? Or a quasma? What do we call them in Nigeria? Katma or quatma? You see, because people behave in all of these ways, apart from the ways of a soldier. So when he compares you to something, he said, this is what I expect from you. This is the way I see you. This is the way you should see yourself. Close your eyes and say, I am a soldier. Say it again. Say, I am a soldier. Say it again. Say, I am a soldier. You may not look like it. You may not feel like it. But he looks at you and says, that's the way I see you. And that's the way I want you to see yourself. And that's where I want to see others. I'm going to give you now nine characteristics of a good soldier. The first thing about a soldier is that a soldier must be a good soldier. We need to be good soldiers. Let it be known that anything God wants us to be is that we should be a good version of that thing. I'm a husband, I want to be a good husband. I'm a member of a church, I want me to be a good member. I'm a pastor, I want me to be a good pastor. I'm a follower, he wants me to be a good follower. The word good implies that there are bad soldiers. Rogue soldiers. And verse 3 says, and your hardness as a good soldier. Close your eyes and say, I am a good soldier. Say it again, I am a good soldier. Good soldier. We have soldiers in Nigeria who take bribe. Soldiers don't take bribe. There are certain things soldiers don't do. And that is why if you are going to prevail, you must watch out whether you have the characteristics or not and make adjustments. Are you a good soldier? There are bad soldiers. The version of which God doesn't expect us to be. God wants to be good soldiers. Good shepherds, good followers, good members. Being good is a reflection of the God nature. God is what? Good. Psalm 73 verse 1, only good is God to Israel. Psalm 119 verse 68, thou art good and doeth good. Psalm 145 verse 9, the Lord is good to unto all. And his tenderness are over all his works. That goodness is the nature of God. So if you are going to be a soldier, the first thing is, be a good one. A good one with the soldier quality. A good soldier. Let it be reckoned in heaven that they look at you. You see, when God made things, after he made them, what did he say? And he saw that it was good. Whichever thing was not good, what did he do? He corrected it immediately. 
so you need to be a good soldier number two well let me let me just go on here and let me just read this before i go into number two to be a good soldier means to have the proper qualities the word good also means to be a beneficial you must be of benefit to the are no good husband who are not benefit are no good wives that are not benefit they are no good members who are not a benefit they are no good what will this church miss if you don't come here again nothing because you are just an arithmetic figure you are not functional you are not doing anything you are not adding any value will we miss your face if you are not here will you miss what virtual contribution if you are taking sick the word good also means to be healthy the word good also means to be a noble soldier and i like this one it also means first class soldier number two let's go on here the second characteristic of a soldier that you and i must have not that we should be good is that we must be soldiers listen to this of jesus christ what does that mean you didn't become a soldier now let me say this to you when we became children of god it was our effort to as many that received him to them gave you power to become sons of god you made yourself through a personal decision on your part romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 if thou shalt confess with the mouth of the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god is of the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation so you made yourself a child of god but he was one who conscripted you to be a soldier so you are not a soldier because you want to be one you are a soldier because that is who he made you to be and your hardness as a good soldier of jesus christ then the next verse says he that worth entangling on himself with the affairs of this world that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier so god you didn't choose him to be a soldier you, it was not you who chose to be a soldier some of you have not even made the choice you can't even make the choice but he was one who chose you you have not chosen me but i have chosen you and i've ordained you that you go forth and bring forth fruit so you are conscripted into the lord's army it's not something that you did you gave your life to christ that he now conscripted you into the army wow it means we became soldiers because jesus enlisted us he drafted us let me tell you this in israel in israel till today there is a standard procedure there most young people are not allowed to join the force by the time they are 20 they are members of the army automatically so you'll not be other people children will not be dying because of you it's there in numbers chapter one read verse two and verse three when you get to the age of 20 you're automatically part of the armed forces when there is a war everybody who is 20 years and above regardless of whatever subject you have studied or whatever family you are from you are enlisted you are conscripted you are part of 
the army of the nation of Israel. It's a law. It's a law in Israel. The Bible says in First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. So you and I were chosen to be soldiers. Psalm 47 verse 4, he will choose our inheritance for us. It's not everything that you chose for yourself. When it comes to being a soldier, God said, I'm the one who enlisted you. It's not something you go home and think about. It's not something that's going to be your preference. If you're a doctor in Israel, when you get to the age of 20, you're automatically a member of the armed forces. Why is that so? Because Israel is a nation under attack. Israel is a nation that many nations don't want to exist. And whether you know it or not, as a child of God, the moment you become a child of God, the devil has your number. He doesn't want you to leave anymore. He doesn't want you to move or have your being anymore. He wants to remove you. And so, the, listen, the way to survive is to prevail. The less you see yourself as a, as a soldier, the less likely you will make it in this world. You're an enemy's territory. You're in this world, you're not of this world. Let me go ahead here. Number three, the third quality of a soldier is that a soldier endures hardness. A soldier endures hardness. He said, endure hardness, suffer hardship. Take your part in suffering. First Peter 4 12. Unto it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him. I mean, Philippians rather, 1 29. Unto it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his name's sake. And your hardness. The Christian life is not a life of flowery bed of ease. Second Timothy 3 12. They that shall live godly in this world shall suffer persecution. In this world, if you want to do what is good, you will suffer. That's why some of you Christian girls are not yet married. You are suffering. Because you want a Christian. If you don't want a Christian, just lift up your eyes and look. Rise, kill and eat. You get anything. Everywhere. But if you want the best, you are going to have to search. You are going to have to wait. First, first, Corinthians, first Peter chapter 2 verse 20 says you will suffer for doing well. Suffering is part of the name of a, the life of a soldier. You are doing well, you are doing the right thing, and yet you suffer. The Bible says in Luke 21 17, He said, You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. You will be hated because you are a Christian. Verse 18 says, But be of good cheer, not even a single hair of your head will be, will be touched. When you look at people in the Bible who were soldiers in their generation, they suffered. Moses suffered. Abraham suffered. The soldier's life is a life of hardship. Joseph suffered. The life of a soldier is a life of sacrifice. A hard life. Jesus was talking about John the Baptist in Matthew 11, verse 7 to 9. He said, what do you go out there to see? 
You go out there to see a man like you read shaking with the wind? He said, no. What do you go out there to see? Said the voice of one crying in the wilderness. If you see the kind of food that he was eating, I mean, John the Baptist was eating, locusts and wild honey. You are eating turkey. Locusts and wild honey. When I saw, when Jacob was living in his father's house, he used a stone for a pillow. You are using soft pillow and you still have neck pain. He used a stone. Endure hardness. Paul was describing his life in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 28. He talked about the hardship that he had to go through. The 13 soldiers are this is how you have to correct yourself. You see, if you are not like that, you can't, you can't overcome. You have to be structured for toughness. I preached a message years ago titled Survivor Secrets. If you are going to succeed and overcome and get to where you are going and become the person you are supposed to be, there are going to be rough moments. When you look at me, you look at someone who has fought battles of various types and sizes. Many times people have said to, to kill me, to let me tell you, even before you were born, there were so many spermatozoids released when you were released by your father. Millions! And you won. That's why you're in this world. So you have been fighting for ages. You have been a soldier for long. That's what it takes to prevail. When the man ejaculates, millions, about six million, some, people, some of them will run and die. Some of them will run and, and fall tired. But you walked and kept pressing and you pressed the tape. And that's why you are more than conquerors. That's a soldier spirit. You must have a soldier spirit. A soldier does not say it cannot be done. What cannot be done? They penetrate through. They overcome. They subdue. They cause the enemy to submit. That is the third characteristics of a soldier. He endures hardness. You have to be this to prevail. Stubbornness is one tool you need, which is the characteristic of a soldier before you can get some things done. Number four. The fourth characteristic of a good soldier, listen to this, is that a good soldier... Another thing he does, he does not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. You need to reduce worldly entanglements. As much as possible reduces worldly entanglements that can weaken them, displease him who has chosen him to be a soldier, and it can sideline you. Reduce entanglements. Many of the things I'm talking about when it comes to entanglements, they are not necessarily sinful, but they are not necessary. None of us are too entangled with so many things. You are overcommitted. So just have to be ready to answer to duty at the snap of a finger. Their commitment is so basic. A soldier is ready to leave home. When they say, we are taking you to Iraq, we are taking you to Iran, we are taking you to Jordan, we are flying you out this night. He does not say, I'm ready, I'm not ready. A soldier leaves ready. No entanglements. Paul said it in a way I like in First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. He said, all things are lawful to me, 
not all things are evident, all things are lovable for me. He said, I will not be brought under the power of anything. Food for the belly, belly for the food. God will destroy both the food and the belly. No entanglement. You reduce it. Hey, I'm a part of this association. I'm a part of that association. I'm a part of this one. I'm committed to this one. I'm committed. Reduce it. Real soldiers don't overcommit. I always tell people my commitments are very simple and basic. Since I knew I was going to preach today, no commitment to anything. Some people said, Can I call you? I said, You can't call me. You can't. So, what if I call you? I said, You see what will happen. <laughs> and what happened? He called five times. I didn't pick it. My commitment is straightforward. I know I'm going to preach. When the day comes to preach, the only thing is to prepare to preach. And I will not go for shopping. You know, do I go on shopping when I'm preaching? I don't even have time to talk too much. My wife knows one of the times you can get me angry when I'm preparing to preach. I cannot say, Can I see you? You can't. I only want to see God. That's what soldiers are. If you are going to prevail, if you are going to overcome, that should be your, 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 your focus must be narrow. I have set the law before me. Many of us are overcommitted. Uh, we are the association of the Egba, Egba people in uh, Chicago. Not only in Chicago, you have a local government association, you have a city association, you have a association, association of Egba people. We are meeting in, uh, uh, in Atlanta. For where? My classmates know this. They have this uh, classmate class platform. They say, we have not seen you there. I say, because I don't have time. Not because I don't have time. My time is for God first. Every other person eats crumbs after I've given it to God. Whatever is left is what I give people. If you have time for people and not for God, you are not a soldier. He has conscripted you to be a soldier. Conscripted people don't talk the way you talk. That's number four quality. Real soldiers do what? They have a narrow focus. They don't entangle themselves. Reduce your worldly entanglement. I'm not part of many associations. I'm not part of many things. I'm not on many platforms where you intend to see my face. Face the book and leave Facebook alone. Somebody asked me, he said, he said, when I did not see you online, time, make a deliberate effort to reduce your screen time. He that worth, you are at war. And tangle them themselves with the affairs of this world. That he may place him who has called him to be a soldier. You waken yourself with overcommitment. Your hand is in so many things that are not necessary. Paul said it again twice. First Corinthians 10 23. All things are lawful for me, not all things are expedient, all things are lawful for me. He said, Not all things edify. I zero and build on the things that edify. Number five. Good soldiers are well trained. Trained. Any fighter needs to be trained. Soldiers fight. That's what they do. Psalm 144 verse 1. Blessed be God who teacheth my hands to what my fingers to fight. Psalm 18 verse 34. He teacheth my hands to what so that the bow of steel is broken by my hands. You are supposed to be fighting. Fighting needs training. Whether it's wrestling or boxing or karate. 
with all form of fighting, you need training. Government spends so much on training soldiers. You need to be involved in being trained. The word trained means to sharpen. It means to sharpen. I'm not just a soldier. I trained my children to be soldiers. Since my children married, the three of them, I have never sat down to settle quarrel for any one of them. I told them when you are going, you don't have to go. If you go, you're on your own. Don't trouble me. I have my own problem. Don't add your own to my own now. I train them as soldiers. Resident of my children, I train them to fight sickness. To fight illness. To fight failure. I told them. You can't fail in this family. We don't have the gene for failure. You will be the first one. And you will carry it to your own generation. Not here. You need to change your name. I told them, I said, you got to, once you begin to fail, change your name. I said, don't you see the name Adegba Oye? You don't want to be Adegba. Failing. Do not just be a soldier. Train your children to be soldiers. Train up a child in the way that it should go. The soldier's life. My children don't complain when there's no, when we don't eat. They don't. Complain for food? Crying for food like the children of Israel in the wilderness? Never. And so when there was, I tell them, whenever there's no food, there's no food. I say every day is not the same. Some days you have more than enough, some other days you have little. Report me to whoever you want to report me to. It's important for us to understand this. These are the principles of a soldier. These are the characteristics, the qualities. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a soldier? Little thing you are complaining. And look at the way he's looking at me. Abba, my, none of my children can say that. Look at the way he's looking at me. What did you see him with? Hey, he insulted me. Oh yeah, tell them that. Well, you have to build capacity in such a way that when somebody insults you, you don't feel it. Do you think I've not been insulted before? There was a time our church members were saying it was drug money I was using to travel. I now travel more. <laughs> travel more. I prevail. After a while, they said, we, we, we don't even know where the money is from anymore. Hey, did I not prevail? Yes. You put on the skin of crocodile and put on the skin of elephant and put on the skin of lion. Those who are going to make destiny are not people who respond to every commendation and criticisms. They call Jesus worst names. You're not the first person they call that name. So just does not entangle themselves and they are well trained. To train makes to shepherd, it makes to make healthy, it makes to be sound. So just a sound. If you're a worker in church and you're sleeping during the service, are you sound? Are you playing? Are you sound? I was in church one day, and one of our pastors was dozing while I was preaching. I said, Come here, kneel down there. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, yes. I told him, I said, After today, you may not come anymore. He said, Where will I go? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
I said, this is not a place to sleep. You've been sleeping. You, you left your house on your own. You've been sleeping. Now you come to church with rope around your neck. Call tie and you are sleeping. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a soldier? Soldiers are not cowboy security guards at those on, 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 on their beat. No, soldiers don't sleep. Onward Christian soldiers. They are well trained. Number seven. Is it number seven now? Number six. Another thing about soldiers. Now let me say this about soldiers. Soldiers are trained. They know themselves. They know others. They know God. They know the devil. That's the training of soldiers. A soldier knows his enemies. Knows his superior. Knows his commandant. That's part of the training. Number six, good soldiers are well-dressed. I mean, for those of you who are from Nigeria, especially Africa, can you compare the way policemen dress to the way soldiers dress? You can't. As a soldier, you need to be well-dressed. Now, when I say well-dressed, that does not only mean in the natural, but you need to be well-dressed spiritually. And you find it in Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 11 to verse 18. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand before the battle, during the battle, and after the battle. You must be this to prevail. You see, you need to be well dressed to prevail. There are five dresses as a soldier you must have on. Helmet, hope of salvation. Belt, girdle of truth. Breastplates, righteousness. You must have your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. That you must have shield of faith. Those are five defensive armor that a good soldier must have. It's necessary for you to be protected when you go to battle. The helmet must be there to protect your brain, your thinking, your emotion. The breastplate righteousness exalt belt you must give to truth and not be deceptive shield of faith you quench the fear of the devil and then shoes so that you don't step upon the line minds of satan those are the five defensive armor of the shoulder then there are two offensive armors the word of god and then prayer those are two you find that in ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 to 18 Look at your neighbor and say, are you a soldier? To prevail is for soldiers. Soldiers are the ones who prevail. No matter the level of riot, when they come, immediately have cleared the whole place. With no mercy. That is what soldiers are. So when God says, you are a soldier of justice, when he says, fight, Paul said something. He said you cannot make it to the end without fighting, without being a soldier. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. The last book he wrote. He said, I am not ready to be offered. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Without fighting, you can't finish. Without finishing, you can't keep the faith. You must be a soldier to prevail. John Wesley was in his house one day and he had a commotion downstairs. 
some moving movement. So he came down and he saw the devil himself sitting on the rocking chair. He said, ah, Satan, it is you. I thought it was something serious. He went back upstairs and he slept in the morning the devil had gone. Even though some of us, you see Satan in your, in your sitting room. Ah, oh, 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 oh. You see, I don't know where those arrows you are talking about come from. Say it's an arrow. From where? You have the shield of faith to quench. He said, my, my mother's second wife is a witch. There are more witches in my family than in some entire states in Nigeria. I grew up with witches. They will come and greet our father. They will just say, ah, young boy, put the hand and I'll be having a headache throughout the day. I'm alive today because God kept me. And I fought it. When my father died, they wanted to kill me as well. But I overcame. Not only did I go into their own field, I became a master at their own field. Until Jesus now showed me the way, the truth, and the life. Soldiers are well dressed. When people describe what is happening to them, hey, I saw somebody holding my neck. I said, tell him to come to me now. Ah. Those people that are troubling, God, tell them to come and see me. A member of a church said, hey, my sister in the next room is a witch. I said, I will go with you to the house. After the service, ah, daddy is a serious witch. I said, don't worry now. So I followed her to the, to the hostel. You know, there's a way you walk. When the girl saw me from far, she, she, she picked dress. She didn't even wait for me to come. Listen, witches we are meeting, I've said this testimony so many places, witches we are meeting near my house. And they were discussing how to kill people. And you are talking about, we kill this one, we kill that one. In our neighborhood, under, the, under a tree. And people could hear their voice in the night. Hey, this one, I, I killed the father. And when he tried to stop me, I killed her too. And you'll be hearing the father, this in about 8.30, right up to 12 midnight. And people were moving out of that area. Soldiers can move. Where will soldiers move to? In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, they invited Nehemiah to a particular place. They say so that he can evade some problem. He said, ah, a man like me, I can't be hiding from problem. So when I saw that the meeting continued and they were not going to stop, you know what I did? I decided to fast. And the day I decided to fast, I decided to, to go under the tree when it was 8.30. I lit a lantern. What was it, And I went and sat under the tree, waiting for them to come. They didn't come that Friday. Look at your neighbor and say, can you do that? <laughs> under that tree today, I can tell you, there's a church building there. What is that? Prevail. It takes believing God who believes in you. Who enc- I'm a soldier. I'm not a joke. <laughs> the Bible said, evil will bow before good. The wicked are the gate of the righteous. That's what soldiers are. They are well trained and well dressed. That's why if you dig a pit, you fall into it. If you break down the edges, the serpent will bite you. Be not overcome with evil. Romans 12, 21. Overcome evil with good. That is what real soldiers, well trained, 
well dressed, don't entangle themselves with the affairs of this world. And they endure hardness. That something is hard is not a reason not to do it. I love it when it is hard. Tomorrow afternoon, come. I want to share something with you that will change your ministry forever. Those of us who have survived all over the world have survived in the toughest of places. If you can, do ministry like I did it in the place where the second largest mosque in sub-Saharan Africa is. Then you can prosper anywhere. I will share that with you tomorrow. The principles of prevailing. What you need to have under your belt if you are going to overcome. As a Christian worker, minister, whatever you are into. So, the thing you need to understand here is this. Good soldiers are well dressed. Number seven now. Is it number seven? The goal of a good soldier is to please God and not themselves and not others. That is the goal. To please God and not me. To please God and not others. Jesus said it. In John 8, 29, my father who sent me is always with me and I'm not let me alone because I do always those things which are well pleasing. Paul was speaking to the Thessalonian Christians. First Thessalonians 4, verse 1. He said, we have taught you how you are to walk and please God. That's what we taught you. And your hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, he that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this world, verse 4, that he may please him. The goal of a soldier is to please his commander. That is the goal. He's not out for anything. He wants his commander-in-chief to be happy with him. God looked out at Jesus. Matthew 3.17 He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Everything Jesus went through, his goal was to please him. And when you please God, don't bother whether you please men or not. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's way please God, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Let pleasing God be the goal. I have never intended to please any human being. Because those who are pleased today, tomorrow they will not be pleased. If Jesus has to please men, one day they said, let him be a king, let him be a king. One week down the line, say crucify him. You can't please men. Hebrews 13, 21 says, Walking in you, that which is well pleasing in his sight. Hebrews 13, 16, to do good and to communicate. Forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. The goal of a soldier is to please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Don't do anything to the accolades of the people. Don't try to impress people. Because you can never impress people all the time. Most of the time you cannot. I remember in those days as a young pastor, you know, whenever I preach, I expect people to say, that was good. But now who bought monkey? When people say it's good, it means it reinforces the value that they already have in mind. 
And I don't want to do that. I want to make you uncomfortable. So that you go home with salt. Certain messages when you hear it, you'll be tasting salt. That's why you become the salt of the earth. That is the kind of message that brings changes. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a soldier? You need to please God with the way you come to time. You need to please God with the way you dress. You know some people dress, they say I dress to kill. Who do you want to kill? He said, when they see my hairstyle, walk back. We will not. We will not. You know what I want to do? I want to stand in front of the mirror and say, God, is your temple well decorated? That's what I want. I want him to be pleased with the way I look, with the place I go, with the things I do, with the friends I have. He said, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Stand not in the ways of sinners. Sin not in the sin of scornful. If God catch you with that song in your mouth, there are some music we listen to that God is not there. It's not that he's not there. When you begin to listen, he leaves. Because it's a pure eyes that to behold iniquity and cannot hear such, such rubbish. What kind of a person do you want to be? That is who soldiers are. Number eight. Is it number eight now? Another thing about soldiers, I will give you eight and nine, is that soldiers obey simple orders. That's why fella sang some years ago and called them what? Zombie. Zombie, oh zombie. Zombie, oh zombie. Tell them to go right. You see, that is what soldiers are. Psalm 37 verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered. Psalm 119 verse 23, order my steps in your word. First Corinthians fourteen forty. Let all things be done decently and in. That is what soldiers are. They obey order. A happened, and one man who was told to shoot Muritala, Mohammed to death. They say, why did you shoot him? Such a reggae. That's his name. He said, they say if Oga move, make I shoot Oga, and Oga move, so I shoot Oga. That's what soldiers are. Obey orders. And that is, you see, when you obey orders, you prevail. Jesus obeyed the order of heaven. Yield yourself a ransom for the sin of the world. On the third day, I will raise you up. He was not, not that he had to be sure, but he obeyed. He said, Nobody takes my life. I lay it down and I pick it again. For you to know. You are a soldier. You take orders very seriously. Sit down there, may sit down there. Go and stand outside, may go and stand outside. That's what it is. Come on time, means come on time. Not that when I looked in, nobody was there. He said, Come on time. Lift up your voice, means lift up your voice. Number nine, the top characteristic of a good soldier. Is that a good soldier is part of an army. Don't try to live your life alone. Soldiers believe in each other. Soldiers fight together. 
one tree does not make a forest. A soldier is a member of an army. God put you in a family. Operate within the family. Trust the family. Fellowship with the family. Endeavor to continue fellowship with the family. A soldier is not a soldier alone. Whenever you see a soldier that is alone, is a rogue soldier who is on a wall, away without leave. Good soldiers belong to the army. You ask a soldier, what battalion do you belong to? You'll be able to state it. If you say, well, I'm just a soldier, ah, you're not. A... There is a value when a pastor has a program like this, other people join. Other soldiers have come. From Maryland, from Houston, I mean from uh, from uh, Northside Chicago, from Harvest International Christian Center, other soldiers have come. Believe and enjoy the fellowship of others. Iron sharpened iron. No single minister has what it takes for his church to be successful and effective. Other people have know something you don't know anything about. Other people have master's key that have opened some doors that you are still standing in front of. Fellowship with one another. Forsake not the assembling together of one another as the manner of some is. Soldiers are part of the army, part of the family. Psalm 68 verse 6, God said the solitary in families. Now in writing up this message, the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, why should I fight? As a soldier, I told you, you are going to have to fight. Paul talked about fighting. In 1 Corinthians 9, 56, he said, I do not run the beach the air. Why should a soldier fight? And this is what it takes. You have to be a soldier to prevail. And I'm going to give you five reasons why you need to fight. Five. That is why you have to be a soldier. You need to fight at times for your marriage. You need to fight for your mental health. You need to fight for your financial life. To fight for your ministry. You need to fight for your future. I was telling someone some years ago, I said, no matter the strength someone has, if you meet a stubborn person, a stubborn person may overcome a strong person. Because the stubborn person refuses to give up. Many of us give up too soon. When I tried to preach the first time, I was a disaster. They gave me 45 minutes. And they gave me two weeks notice. I read several books. I prayed several hours. The first time, they said, now you can preach. In 15 minutes, I was I finished what I wanted to preach. All the examples I wanted to give, I've given it. So I told the man, I said, I finished. He said, You have 45 minutes. I said, No, I have finished. <laughs> I don't need 45 minutes. He said, ah, you are going to have to go. listen. Eventually he delivered me. So he allowed me to go. I went down the road and I cried and cried and cried and cried. Today they have to stop me. But the first time was a disaster. 
The first 10 people I laid hands on, in fact, they did not have so many things wrong with them. Really, I laid hands on them, many more problems came. I remember one of them came to me and said, you know, you prayed for me four days ago. I said, yes. He said, I've not recovered yet. So I became, I became bold. I have to fight the spirit of failure. I said, the Bible does not say I should recover you. The Bible said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So go and recover. I'm not supposed to recover you. I'm supposed to lay hands on you. And I've done that. And I saw the man four days later. He said, I've recovered. I said, well done, well done, well done. You've done the your part. But what I was doing was fighting that. I have to fight my feelings many times. One day I left Nigeria with the money I don't have. Traveled to England because I thought we had arranged a meeting with this man. I won't forget his name. So I went to the church on a, on a Thursday just to tell him that tomorrow the meeting is starting. And I said, Reverend, you're welcome. He said, is there, is there anything in town that you came for? I said, I came for the program. I said, which program? He said, there's no program. Hi. The man has a long neck. You know what I felt like? I felt like I was squeezing his neck. I had to fight my feelings. Fight my hand. Fight my body. Fight my mouth. That is what makes you prevail. So you must be a soldier. You must be a fighter. Fight my emotions. Or every time and wherever I have gone, there have been things that happened that I never was prepared for. But you know what? I felt like behaving in a particular way, but I fought my feelings and said, No! I'm not going to do that. I went to a particular place one day and I was chief examination officer in our school. And there was a leakage of a paper in a particular department, so I went there to investigate. And the head of the department gave me a slap. I said, I'm just here to investigate. I learned I was a leak in this paper. I just want to investigate. The man said, why do you think it's going to be in this department? Before I knew what was happening. The man had cabooshed me. I started seeing various kind of stars. The big ones, the small ones, the shooting ones, the falling one. I felt like, and you know the man was so small. I felt like, I fought my feelings. And I said, why? And what did I do for you to slap me? The next thing that happened, I've never seen it before. The man fell on his knees and he started crying. He said, my anger is caused. I knew that my anger was going to get me to a place where I was going to be punished one day. Why did you slap a man? He was asking himself, why did you slap a man of God? (laughs) The Bible says, a soft tongue breaketh the bones. But that is how to overcome. You must fight it. Don't give in to what you feel. Don't give in to how you feel. Don't give in to how you have been treated. Don't give in to how you have been disrespected. Fight it and say, no. Evil will bow before good. The wicked are the gate of the righteous. You must be a soldier. You must be a fighter. In closing, five things or five reasons why 
soldiers fight. And these are enough reasons for you to fight. Number one, the soldier fight. This is the first reason why soldiers fight. In order to ward off opposition. Soldiers fight to ward off opposition. At the point of our salvation, there was, a, there was spelled out for us the beginning of a fight with an opposition. His name is the adversary, Satan. You need to fight so as not to be enslaved. Satan will always seek to attack your body, your soul, and different parts of your being in different ways for different reasons. He is always seeking incursions into various areas of our lives. Fight to ward off opposition. Matthew 5 39 says, Resist evil. James 4 7. Submit yourself therefore to God. And then he says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Zechariah chapter 3 verse 1. He said Joshua the son of Jezebel the high priest was standing before God and Satan was on his right hand to resist him. He had to resist the devil. The devil will come to steal and kill and destroy. Learn how to resist him. First Peter 5 9 says whom resist steadfastly in the faith. Resist the temptation to reply. Resist the temptation to strike the other person. That is how you overcome your anger. I used to have a problem with anger. Growing up as a young boy, I would be so angry for three days I would not eat. And my father and everybody knew that whenever I'm angry, leave him. Because when anger rests in the bosom of a fool, it takes over the place. And I will not feel anything for three days. I will not eat. When I became a child of God, I had to go and research it. Before I did the research on my own, I went to an anger management course and I fought the man teaching us. <laughs> he was telling us it's very easy. I said, keep quiet. Why are you telling us it's easy? He said, I know why you are here. <laughs> Someone who went to an anger management course and beat up and beat fought the person teaching it. When I knew that psychology and all those therapeutic approaches will not solve my problem, I faced God. I searched every scripture anger in the Bible. What anger did in people's lives? What happened? Moses. You see, people don't say Moses was meek. People don't know what meekness is. Moses was a stammerer. If you know stammerers, one thing is that Anger comes easily to stammering people. When they try to talk and you don't listen, they get frustrated. I had to deal with my anger. You need to fight it. I fight anger. I got married. I had to fight anger. Leading the church, the people I led to Christ say I'm a drug pusher. How angry do you want to become? You see, that was what eventually kept Moses out of the promised land. God says, go, speak to the people, 
and water will come out. In his anger, what did he do? He struck the rock. Instead of striking the people and speaking to the rock, he struck the rock and he spoke to the people. You must learn soldiers fight to resist. The devil knows how to tune you to anger. He knows how to tune you to frustration. He knows how to tune you to fear. He knows how to tune you to hatred. To malice. To look at people like this. He knows. He knows how to make you keep malice. He will tune you to unforgiveness. What do you do? You resist it. One woman who was a lecturer, she did something bad to me. I was not happy with it. And she started keeping malice with me. So one day I said, it is you. When I greet her, good evening, ma'am. She will answer. One day I just come here. You are the one we are talking about. Good evening. You say, <laughs> resist it. If you are going to overcome something, you must resist. I used to smoke. Seriously. Through my nose. I was addicted at one time to drugs. What they call cannabis now. We call it natural grass. It's like a fall. We will put it in water, the fresh one. We will extract the juice and drink it as tea. Our eyes will be like this. Without smoking. Then the remaining will mix with the gushi and eat it with a bar. Any narcotic is an addiction. I have to resist it. Fight it. That's how to, over, over, that's how to prevail. Fight to resist opposition. That is the first thing you need to fight. There will be things that will oppose you from entering into your promised land. You are going to have to fight it. There are giants in your land of possession. You are going to have to fight it. There are things that does not want you to enjoy what you have. Number two. The second reason why you need to fight is in order to keep what you have. As believers, there are things that we have which you have a duty to keep. Women, I know you fight keeping your shape. You fight to keep your hair. Fight to keep your smooth face. Fight the same way. To keep whatever you have. We have positions. We need to fight to keep it. Valuable positions. We have physical, spiritual, and mental materials. Possessions. Satan is called a thief. Fight to keep what you have. Your humility, don't let anybody drag you into pride. Don't let any achievement make you be someone that cannot be corrected anymore. Don't let your performance get into your head. Remain humble. You need to fight to keep what you have. You need to fight to keep your righteousness. Job said in Job 27 verse 6, My righteousness, my righteousness I hold on to. I will not let it go. For as long as I live. Hebrews 10.23 says. Hold fast to what you have. 
Revelations 2.25 Hold fast to what you have. Revelations 3.11 Behold I come quickly now which you have hold fast. The second reason is not just the word of opposition but to keep what you have. The thief wants what you have. The thief wants your child. The thief wants your business. The thief wants to steal your health. You fight. I've never fought to keep my health like I've done between 2022 to 2023. I have to overhaul my diet. Some food I used to eat copiously before. I have to put enough to my throat. I have to look at it and remove my eyes. What are you doing? I'm fighting. Fight the way you spend money. The problem is not that you don't have money, but you spend too much on trivialities. Fight the way you use your time. You have enough time, but the way you expend your time is not the best way time should be expended. Fight it. People know me, you know, when you come around to visit me when I'm a woman in DeLorean. I like visitors. But when it comes to a time, I stand up. Whether you're going or not. Now you sabio. I just say, I'm coming. That's all. One man, I said, I'm coming. Two hours later, I was sitting there. I said, what is daddy coming down? Say, what did he say? He said, I'm coming. He said, he has gone. He's gone. He's not coming down. Fight to keep what you have. Don't call common what you have. Number three, I'm giving you reasons why you need to fight. You need to fight in order to make progress. Nature does not condone a vacuum. If you are going to make progress, the current land that flow will make an honey that you want to enter into, the people there are giants. You need to fight to make progress. The choir needs to fight some of its members to make progress. Because those members are dragging you backward. They are singing on flat. They are supposed to be in ushers department. What are they doing in choir? I tried to join the choir many, many times. They put me on three months probation. I finished, I came. They said, okay, we'll put you on six months probation. Then the head of the choir said, can I have a discussion with you? I said, yes. He said, go and join another department. He said, you can never learn to sing because you don't have the basic elements of singing. It was polite. And I went and joined Bible study department. And that's why I'm here today teaching the word. Because some of us just say, I like singing. You like singing, so what? Are you gifted? Are you called to it? No man take this honor unto himself except he's called even as Adam was called. Hebrews 5 4. So fight to word of opposition. Fight to keep what you have. Fight to make. If a church will make progress, the pastor will need to fight some people. You need to fight some ministers who are absent from fasting and prayer. need to fight some workers who are not diligent. 
I remember in those days, my wife used to make me get late to church. I had to sit down one day and say, listen to me. We are not born again on the same day. And listen to me. You are born again before me. And this pastoral work, now me say, God call me, God no call you or he call you. I said, when it's time for me to go, I won't wait. I have to fight her like that. He said, but we should go. I said, who said we should go together? Did Jesus have a wife? What, what, what problem are you? Are you playing? When I said that, you know, in the Bible you see Ananias. He fell down and died in the church in Acts 5. It was three hours later that the wife arrived. What was she doing three hours late? She was making up. That was what she was doing. Have you ever seen it there in Acts 5? The Bible said three hours later. Not three minutes. Not 30 minutes. Three hours. Then the church service would have been very long. And that's why both of them died in the church. Lord's wife became a pillar of salt behind Lord. Not by his side. Behind. That's why you should not put your wife behind you. Or else you will become a pillar of salt. The Bible said we took sweet cancer together. We walked to the house of the Lord. How? In company. You need to fight to make progress. There are enemies of progress. You need to fight them. I had to fight the drama of the church. He was always putting a hat on his head. I said, listen to me. This beating of drama is not my fault. You can't put a hat on your head. I fight protocol. Like this one here. This one. Abi, I thought I said, listen, no. if you're only going to show up when I'm here, don't sit behind me. Don't carry anything and go and give it to me. Oh. Don't sit behind me. I want protocol people who will be praying behind me. He does not pray behind me. I've looked at his mouth, it has not been moving. The Bible said we need to rebuke some people sharply if you are going to make progress. You see, if you are going to prevail against the spirit that is out there in the world today, you must be a soldier. So that just don't play with discipline. People around me know I don't play with discipline. I don't. 10 is 10, not 10.20 or 10.30. I set alarm clock. I had to program myself. When we were coming today and the, drive, the person was driving said, Ha, ah, we need to leave very early. I said, for what? I said, Mio, traffic does not catch me when I'm going to preach. I have never been caught by traffic. Why? I have already prayed. You see, when I pray, I've already sanctified the journey. Especially when I'm going to minister. One of that things, I'm going for a marriage, traffic can hold me and I will sleep inside the vehicle. I don't bother. For you to make progress, Look at your neighbor and say, are you a soldier? Are you ready to fight? You see, husband and wife, you may have to fight before the family can have a headway. Fight about raising your children. Fight about the family budget. Fight about... My wife, you know, in those days, she, we just got married. Credit. Uh, I will pay much more. Ten, 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 ten naira. Mm-mm-mm. So this day they brought some six yards of cloth. They say, hey, if you don't have money, she collect. I say, who did you collect this one for? Say, give it to them before they leave. Because she, she, you don't go pay. 
and I'm not going to stray myself. So from day one, we already knew that you don't take things on credit. You don't buy the things you don't have money to buy. It is according to that which a man has. Even when you give to God, God is not asking you to give him what you don't have. So why do you want to buy something for which you have no money and then you amass debt? The rich ruler over the poor, the borrower is a servant. I know the kind of life my father lived. When the debtors come to collect money, say, go and tell them, I'm not home. Do I want to perpetrate that? No. I see some things that are good that I want. Even when I don't have the money, I don't buy them. I, I fight myself. Say, no! You won't buy it. And you can put it on tap, tap, tap. When you tap, tap, I was telling pastor, I said, you tap the card, you tap the card. When the time comes to pay, uh, you see, the point, there, there's no need for that. Fight to make what? Progress. If you are going to make progress in life, you are going to have to fight. When we were in school, we were going to pass exams. We fought sleep. How many of you fought sleep? But when it comes to church, you can't fight sleep. You now give in to sleep. Members were sleeping throughout the service. I said, Why are you sleeping? He says, Sir, I came to, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy and at his pleasure and pleasure. I said, I just came to, to refresh myself in God's presence. I said, Do that at home on your bed. When we come to church, that's not the reason why we come to church. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a soldier? You need to fight some things. Don't give in to some things. I'm tempted to do this. I'm tempted to have this. Does not mean you have it. There are some of us who don't qualify yet to have iPhone 14. You are not qualified. Now, I, am I talking to someone? Ask your neighbor, let me see your phone. Okay. There was a time I could not afford to show my phone to people. So let me see your phone. No, don't worry. See my face. The reason is that I could not afford it. And I do not put pressure on myself. Happy is a man that does not condemn himself in the things that he approves. I don't buy the things I, I'm not capable of being able to deal with. I fight it. It's not that I don't like good things now. I went to the house of a man. And you know what was serving, serving us the refreshment? Was a robot. Two of them. They, you, just, you just press something on the phone. And the thing will come out. And the thing will stand. He will write a sheet of paper. Punch it. Put it. And the thing will go. Huh? I say, yeah. So when I asked him, he said, My house is a smart house. I said, Smart. When we enter, I said, Light, boom, light will come on. Ah. TV, boom, ah. ah. Now let me go and put on my TV, Jerry. <laughs> Isaiah 54 said, The Lord has given me the tongue of the disciple or the did I help someone tonight? Why do I need to fight? Listen to this. You need to fight for others who are not able to do so for themselves. There are people in our lives. There are people around us who for one reason or another cannot fight for themselves.
weak believers, our children, those who are young in the faith, those who are oppressed. I don't just fight because of myself. A soldier defends the territorial integrity of their country. Those who cannot fight for themselves. You should be able to fight for your children. You should be able to fight for weak believers. You should be able to fight for sick people. You should be able to fight for people who cannot defend themselves. If we fight for people who cannot defend themselves in the church, many church members will not die the way they die. Many church members will not go down the way they go down. The Bible says in Galatians 6 2, it says, Bear ye one another's burden. In this way you fulfill the law of Christ. There are sick people, there are people who are young in the faith. We fight because of them. We protect them. We surround them with our faith. We keep them from being hurt. If we do that, then those who are young in the faith will grow in the faith and will not be overexposed. Pray one for another. We need to be covering for each other. While a soldier's position is to face his front, there is somebody that your back is their front. They are behind you to make sure you don't get hurt as well. We need to fight for others who cannot fight for themselves. There are people who cannot fight for themselves. Every time when I pray, I see people's faces in my, in my prayer time and I get in touch with them. What is happening? I saw a man recently who lost his wife. Very close to us. As I was praying about four days ago, I saw his face. And the way in which I saw him, it was like he was also going through some very terrible situation and could also follow the direction of the wife. So I called some officers of our church and I said, excuse me. I said, I saw so and so. I wanted to go to his house, pray with him and pray for him. This man told them, he said, in the last one week, he has been seeing the dead wife every day. Not while he sleeps. He said, we hear a knock on the door of their house. And he will go there and look and there's nobody. He said, when he opens the door, it's like a breeze will just come into the house. And you feel that there is a presence in that house. Now, he didn't tell me all this. But while I was doing my own fighting, I saw that he needed help. And they prayed for him. And he told the people that prayed, he said, it was like if that was the thing he needed because he had given up. He said it was like his wife was calling him to join her where she was. And that he was also saying, what is there to life? They have two children and they are now not doing well. And the man said, what have I lived for? My wife is dead. My two children are not doing well. So he was already thinking like that. 
Do you know it was my time of prayer that helped me to do that? I fought for him. There are injured people in church who are going through stuff. You are not just a soldier. For yourself, you are part of an army to help other people who are going through stuff. That is why we bear one another's body. Number five. Why do I need to fight? Listen to this. You may need to fight because that is the only option some people will give you. Some people don't love peace. Some people do not want the way of peace. The psalmist said it like this. In Psalm 120 verse 7. He said, I'm a man of peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Let me tell you this. There are some situations where some people will not give you any other choice but fight. I've been there before. That is why you need to be a soldier. Some people will not give you any other option. The Bible says we should not strive with anybody without a reason. I'm going to read the scripture and that's where we're going to close tonight. As much as possible, follow the path of peace. But listen to me. Some people don't want peace. There's a comedian in Nigeria that says, I don't like peace. I want what? Problem. There are some people, they don't want peace. And I always tell them, I have capacity for problem. I have capacity to fight you to the, any extent. But first of all, as a child of God, you must seek peace and ensure it. You must be a person of peace. But there are some people, they don't want peace. I will give you one story, then I will read that scripture. I used to live in a house. For those of you who are into football, you know Shola Amiobi who was in Newcastle. He was born in that house. The father was living in the same house with us. There was a man there who was not of the same religion. The man just wants problem. When you pray, he said, why are you shouting? When you sing, he said, why are you shouting? There is nothing you do in that house that the man will not say something about. So he called a meeting. And so we sat down in that meeting. And I said, the reason why he has called this meeting is because Reverend George is a nuisance. He will not listen to any entreaty. He said he has explained himself to me, but I just think he's doing it deliberately. He said, so I'm going to report him to the landlord. And he must quit this house in the next one month. Now, this was a tenant like me giving me a notice of eviction. <laughs> He's paying rent and paying rent. I'm not doing things that are troubling the other two tenants. It was a four flat house. It's only this man. And he's from the same village with me. But you know, there are some people who hate you for no reason. And this man hated me. So when he spoke like that, I said, well, I think the battle line is drawn. I said, sir, 
You give me how many months? He said, one month. I said, I give you two weeks quit notice. You see that? I've changed it for him. I'm a man of peace. But you see, you have to be a soldier because if people will not accept diplomacy and negotiation, then you have all it takes. So I told him, say, now you have declared war. I give you two weeks quick notice. You will leave this house. So every morning when I wake up, I will take a chair and I will sit down in front of his door. And I lay my hands on the door and I say, this flat is vacant. <laughs> the person who inhabits this flat will run when no man pursue it. Me, righteous, I'm as bold as lion. This flat is vacant. Demons and devils will harass him until he flees. I carry my chair. I go back to my flat. He was under me. I was on top. Every time I'm going out, before I kick my motorcycle, Suzuki 100, OY8405Y, I will branch to the door of his house. This house have no inhabitant. I declare it vacant. The man will be looking at me through the... You see, some people, they don't want peace. So we give it to them the way they want it. I did that, I did that, I did that. On the 10th day, like I normally do, immediately I come back from work, I park my motorcycle under the stairs, I go to the front of his house. This flat is vacant. The inhabitants have been commanded to flee. Their flight will be in the winter. They will run when no man pursues. The devil, demons of hell, angels will persecute them. On the 10th day when I started speaking like that, I noticed that my voice was echoing back to me. So I opened. And I discovered the city room was empty. So I started looking for the man all over the places. This is a historical fact. For those of you who have been listening to my message over the years, you will have me say it. So I started looking for the man all over the places. So after about four days of looking, I started looking for him. I saw him. He said, you there. He said, leave me oh, Leave me oh, Don't kill me oh. I said, what happened? He said, let me tell you the story. He said, you woke up in the night and you started praying. I said, praying generally. He said, no, that language you speak, that language. You are speaking, I said, you mean Ragosh? He said, hey! He said, immediately you are saying that language. He said, I woke up and I was sweating profusely. He said, but that was not the problem. He said, a gentle breeze came through the window. He said, you know the, city, the, the main bedroom? I said, yes. He said, gentle priest came through the window and entered between my legs and lifted me from the bed. Ah. He said, I touched my bottom. I was not sitting. I tried to reach the ground with my leg. I was not touching the ground. I was suspended. Say for 45 minutes, while you were speaking that language, I was hanging there, rejected by the earth, not accepted by the heavens. He said, I made up my mind while I was hanging. That today, today, once I drop to the bed, I will leave the house. He said that night, after 40, he said you prayed and you can't remember, but you slept and I was still hanging there. So I started saying, even if I want to beg him, how will I get to his flat? 
See, I didn't wake up my wife. You see, I was alarmed. I never knew. You see, I started thinking, the man says he's a Christian. Probably he's not left the occult world. Or what is this? He said, after 45 minutes of hanging there, you are, he said, by then you have slept. He said, I was dropped to the ground, to the bed. He said, the first thing I did was bring out my box. I filled my box. I woke up my wife. I said, this man will kill us if he wakes up tomorrow morning. Because he now told the wife, I said, hey! So they parked their car that day. He took the car in the night. It's winter. His flight was in the winter. He used his car to offload some things. Used the car to offload some things. And then he said, he said, I have given the key to the landlord. He said, no, no, not the landlord. I've given it to the caretaker. Actually, the person who called caretaker is the owner of the building. You know, but I told him that day that I was the landlord, that he cannot report myself to me. How can you give me cookies to me? Who is the landlord? So I went to look for the man. When I saw the man from far, the man said, Ah, Reverend, sorry, oh. I didn't know he did that to you. I didn't send him, oh. He said, Reverend, this is the key. Because if you have put anybody there, you eliminate them. There are some people, what they want is what? War. That's why you need to learn how to fight. I will not sit down there and allow someone who wants war to come and smash your head. No. I will give it to you. My HOD one time wanted war. So I told him. I said, what you want is war. You want peace. He said, what do you mean? Will you fight me? I said, sir. As gentle as I am, I'm a reverend. Gentle like a dove. I said, but I'm a lion. I have lion inside me. Lion of the tribe of Judah. As the lion does not give birth to goat. My father is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am a lion too. I said, and if you think you are playing, you'll see what we can do. So one day he was still boasting. He went and reported me that I cannot, they cannot promote me. <laughs> Somebody came and reported to me that you have been reported that you cannot be promoted. Some people don't want peace. Whether it's your place of work or your neighbor. But though we are in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. So one day, I got to the man's office. He usually come to office by 7. Normally, I come about 9. So that day, I came 7.15. I see that he was in his office. I knocked on the door. When I entered, I removed the key, and I locked it from behind. And I said, excuse me, sir. I see people like us. We kill and we make a life. We kill without trace. No fingerprints, nothing. We just talk. I quote, I said there's a book called Lamentation. He said uh, he doesn't have a Bible. I said, me, I have one. Lamentation chapter 3 from verse 34 to 37. He says to turn a man away a man's right in the face of the most that the Lord does not allow. Who is he that's yet that it coming to pass? When the Lord does not command. I said, you have gone to tell them I'm not promotable? I said, but from today until I'm promoted, I seize your peace. I seize your joy. I seize your health. I seize your, 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 I seize everything about you that is good. Evil will pursue you wherever you go. Evil, accident will pursue you. Your fridge will break down. Your gas cooker will break down. Your children will break their legs in school. You too will be confused by day or night. I said, good morning, sir. <laughs> I opened the door and I went out. The man came and he opened the door. The man started monitoring the promotion on my behalf. 
even before the promotion result came out, he told me, he said, you have been promoted. <laughs> Some people want what? War. And nobody has a monopoly of violence. You are a soldier. Soldiers can be courteous. Excuse me, sir. Yes, sir. But if you want trouble, they give it to you. That's why you need to learn to fight. In this world, not everybody wants peace. Not everybody. I know a man in those days, he always tell his wife, he said, this fight you want to start, oh, none of us will be able to sleep. Won't be able to go out. Won't be able to go to work. So go and think about it before we start. Oh. Because when we start this fight, it will be everlasting. You know. After my four days, the wife will come and say, I'm not fighting again. <laughs> Some people don't want peace. Some people want to kill, to steal, and destroy. And when people want that, you have no choice. When the Bible says, if they slap you, turn this one. It does not mean you turn yourself to a punching bag. It means you must develop capacity to be able to overcome them. One man promised to kill me. He sent hired assassins to me. When they did his burial, I was there to say a few things. And I told them, this same man who is dead today wanted me dead before. I'm alive and he's dead. I'm not rejoicing over that. I'm only telling you that what you will for somebody will come to you first. You will be a first partaker of the harvest. Some people don't want peace. And so as a child of God, if you are going to be a soldier, why do soldiers go to war? The other person don't want peace. They don't want negotiation. They don't want to sit down at the round table. And when people don't want it, then you need to fight as a soldier. Your promised land is full of giants. To possess, what is the promised land? You need to fight for to possess your possession. You need to fight to hold on to what is yours. You need to fight to resist opposition. This is the capability you have. You have to be this to prevail. To survive. Lions fight, dogs fight, snakes fight. To survive. As a child of God, you are a soldier and some things require a fight.